we're now reaching the point where um, uh, artificial uh, voice and other kinds of automation are going to make it possible for us to write a video script or write documentation and have it automatically turn into reproducible video that can be generated on demand in multiple languages. And I think this is going to change everything. Um, and where it's super important for tech writers is that it's exactly how well you write your documentation that will have everything to do with how easily we can make that leap to essentially single sourcing like docs and training. Welcome to the Knowledge Based Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Mary Corner, technical writer at Civitas Learning. Welcome, Mary, to the Knowledge Based Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So Mary, please help us understand a little bit more about yourself and how did you initially get into documentation, please? Well, I started out as um, I was going to be an English literature professor. I was in a PhD program, um, but I just got married to someone who is going to be an academic as well. And I knew we weren't both going to get tenure track jobs in the same school. So I needed something else. So I got out of PhD, got into a master's program in tech writing, which I didn't know what it was. So I learned everything, took the course, and I ended up teaching it for a while. And then I finally got a job at an R&D lab. And, and then I'm like, if I could get into this software thing, that would be awesome. And once I got in, I never went back. Great. So congratulations on the PhD part as well, Mary. Um, so... BA and MA in English, and how has your extensive English background helped you in your technical writing career? It's helped me tremendously in terms of uh, awareness and control of language, right? That, that's so much of what we do. Um, but what, interestingly enough, what was more important for me than the literature part was the teaching part, because throughout my academic career, I was teaching all the time. And my experience of being a documentation writer is that I'm teaching people on paper. My orientation is very much about being a teacher, you know, analyzing my audience, understanding what they need, figuring out how to, you know, reach them, how, how to come up with metaphors, you know, to, to build the conceptual bridges that we need to get them where they need to go. Uh, so in that sense, the background has served really, really well for what I'm doing. Very well said, Mary. And uh, um, I just would like to understand a little bit more about your LinkedIn. Um, in your LinkedIn page, you say that uh, work to build authoring environments that free agile teams to write and diagram information as easily as they could. Can you please break this down to me? And what is your approach here? My approach. So let me clarify that. Um, yeah, most of my career, I've been working in, in startup companies in smaller environments where things are, are more dynamic. In other words, there's not um, a larger organizational mandate that things have to be done a certain way. There's usually been some kind of freedom to change the tools or change the processes, you know, to fit whatever I'm trying to deliver. So that being said, um, what, what I've grown into is a perspective that 
um, in order for me, like there's never going to be enough of me to go around. <laughs> so what I want to do is to figure out how to collaborate as effectively across the organization. So when I'm picking a tool, I am going to choose in the direction of a tool that my um, teams are comfortable, already comfortable using. So if they're already established in a tool base, I'm going to try to work within the tool base. Like that, in my experience, has been the highest level of success, is if I could figure a way to expand where they already are what they're already comfortable doing, how they already do reviews of their own content, and also to get my arms around all their content and their content problems, and in solving their problems, pull them into documentation creation. I also really found that they have got to have a good tool, and usually this means like a free or almost free tool so that everyone in the organization can have it some kind of tool where they can be diagramming and can go in and edit diagrams so we can communicate with each other and then I can clean them up and turn them into um, you know customer facing material but the idea that um, it shouldn't be there's in my experience it's a big problem if there are these powerful rarefied tools you know that only a tech writer gets to touch you know or only a product designer gets to touch and no one else can participate um, that that's really not going to be where you're going to get um, the huge payoff in changing tools. So I want to bring everyone on board. I want to give everyone the tools and I want to meet them where they are. Fantastic. Very Go inspiring, ahead. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all, thank you for breaking this down. And to be really honest, I really wanted to know what exactly it meant. So absolutely wonderful to know this, Mary. Good. Super. So Please talk a little bit about your documentation process at uh, Suvita's Learning and who's normally involved in defining such processes. Um, this is a super interesting situation. It's, uh, the company's been around over a decade, but I am the very first tech writer. They've never had one before. This has been an organization. Um, it's, it's my first organization, I realized, that hasn't actually been engineering driven. Um, and they have not had their tradition of having the tech writer. Docs have always been done kind of by a committee of people, you know, people who are working in training and enablement or whatever, everyone would contribute and do pieces, but nobody owned it. So you can imagine what the situation was like. Um, so the answer about process is I'm currently starting to build them out and figuring out what works. And that's tied to moving us to different tools that are going to work for the larger things we're trying to do. The answer is it depends. So in this case, uh, the process is gonna be about um, working backwards with uh, from release dates. So that's always the first priority, right? Is mm -hmm. to yep. make sure I've got the new releases coming out and I've got coverage for it. But at the same time, I'm trying to do these heavy lifts of migrating the old stuff and pulling things together. This is a situation in which there, um, you could look up a piece of content and there might be four different versions of it out there and nobody knows which one to use or is the current one. So yep. it's, that is a very urgent situation <laughs> for me to try to resolve. Um, so I'm trying to keep up with the releases and be working on that pro uh, process first. Uh, in the future, what the process is going to look like is what I've built in other places where it's going to be about um, a, a knowable cadence of prior prioritizing, okay, this is how we're going to take care of releases, this is how we're going to take care of, you know, all these other pieces that have to go out and, and the whole publishing chain. However, it's also going to be about 
um, how I can move upstream and start doing more of the UX writing. Great, great. So there's quite a lot to handle in the next uh, coming months. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's in a very dynamic place right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the key to crafting documentation that attracts both the customer uh, and, uh, sorry, that both attracts and serves the customers? So both attract and serve. This is um, so many dimensions to that question. Uh, hugely, it needs to be uh, less is more. Like nobody wants to read documentation. So I spend a huge amount of effort in making it as visual as possible. And when I say visual, it doesn't just mean pictures. It means that there's structure, that there's headings, that there's forms, that there are tables, that there are diagrams, that at a glance, at a page, you can actually get a whole bunch of information and walk away without actually sitting down and reading everything word for word. So this kind of fits with how users um, uh, jump in to get content. They search for something, they have a problem, they jump in, they jump out, jump in, jump out. So I have to support that cognitively. Um, also a lot of work on tone and clarity and speed. So marketing writing tends to be, forgive me, a lot fluffier, right? And, and it's like trimming out as much content just so they can get the content that they want. But really in terms of joy and happiness for customers, it's, it's about they're looking for a piece of information and they get it, they find it. Because what happens is if you do a search and you come up with nothing or you come up with fluff, it just makes you angry, right? It just makes you irritated, makes you less likely to open it the next time. So for me, the quality of having what I call content density, really high content density, where the stuff that's in there is relevant, is not obvious. Don't tell people, you know, to print, click the print button. It's like someone's going to slap you. Um, so don't do that to them. Actually give them information they need. Um, and then when they have that experience of getting their needs met, then they're going to come back. Um, and also that uh, they... Generally, if they have a new experience with the docs actually being helpful, we hear about it because they'll end up telling that to their, you know, enablement team or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone finds out. Super. Uh, can you help me uh, with one more question, Mary, here? Uh, are your documentations currently publicly available or is it all uh, private behind a username and a password? Um, as with most companies I've been in, the urge to, you know, protect their intellectual property has been really strong. Like, we don't want to have this out there. Our competitors are going to read things and learn too much, like you're putting too much detail in. So currently where we are is um, I'm some of the content that I have analyzed and negotiated as being, you know, not um, either so high value or somehow sensitive in terms of intellectual property. Uh, that there's a portion that you can get to that is not password protected. And why this is important is that we use another tool to present um, help within the product. And so to make sure that when you click on the help in the product, you're not um, being stopped by a login wall um, and unable to get to your help. Like that's a really bad user experience. Um, so that doesn't happen. You can get to the essential help, but you do go through a login process in order to reach forums or webinars or um, a lot of the more advanced topics. So right now it's a compromise and, and, and that's working. I do have it set up just to kind of um, make it easier for the people who have worries in the company is I do have the website set up to, um, to not allow the search engine crawlers 
right? So we're not trying, we're not trying to pull organic um, traffic to the site right now. We just okay. want to serve the users. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So good luck with that one, uh, Mary. And um, this is something again, I read in your LinkedIn uh, post, internal documentation tends to be something that many people avoid reading. So why is it okay that people don't read the documentation you produce? Uh, um, a big part of why it's okay they don't read it is if um, I'm doing my job really well, lots of times uh, they won't need to because my goal, how to put it <laughs> without sounding insulting, my, to my own job, um, it's kind of the last resort is to write something up. Like um, the next best thing is to actually have it in the product. And this can include like we have, we have internal parts of the product that the customer never see. If there's a way that I can pop up the help or the information right there for the person who's making the configuration decision, I want to have it up there and not send them off to some doc to go read. But better yet, if I can get even farther upstream and get them to fix the interface and change the confusing words, then maybe it's going to guide them to do the right thing. And we don't even need to have a paragraph of explanation about how to do it differently. So I've always been very, very, um, I, I don't, I don't clutch my pearls and think of myself as a writer, you know, and my, and my precious writing and people need to see how beautifully I write is so that no, the goal is I want to get as far upstream as I can. And, and if I can um, make sure you don't even need to go to my docs, that's great. So generally for internal documentation, if there's a way to solve the problem some other way, my experience is it's better to do that. Short of that, uh, if we still need to have, you know, the big brain dump documents that go into all the detail, make sure to that other problem that everyone knows exactly where to go, that there isn't duplicated content. So they're having to, you know, coordinate like, oh, well, that piece, that dog is out of date, but this one's up to date. And so ignore that one, like having to figure that all out. No, that's what really makes teams go slow and they make it, they don't trust them. And so then they go, I'm just going to go ask Tim, Tim knows. <laughs> and it's like, mm -hmm. no, no, that's what we need to stop. So it's the, it's, it's the clarity and the accuracy of the documentation. That's if you got to have it, then make sure that that's the goal. Great. Um, and again, you've been in this um, uh, industry for a long time. So in your opinion, what has been the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking? Uh, say more what you mean about document tracking. You mean document management? Yeah, it can be that as well, document management, or uh, you've been in various roles uh, with regard to technical writing and in this documentation space, right? So what do you think is the mm -hmm. most important innovation you've come across? Oh, interesting. Um, it, ju it just keeps changing. Um, I think, I mean, I could think talk about tools or things like that, but honestly, I think the big change that is super exciting as a tech writer has been the rise of what we call UX writing. And the idea that um, the writer should be absolutely in there helping to design the user interfaces and to manage what we called in my last company, the languaging, uh -huh. the languaging of everything. Um, and this ties into internationalization and localization, but the idea of being you are that, put it another way, that there's such a thing as an information interface, right, as well as a user interface. 
and that we are essentially the product owners or can be of the information interface. And the implication is we sit in kind of a different chair at the table and that we um, belong in all these different meetings and all these different types of, of design, um, that we can do our user advocacy. We essentially advocate for the user uh, in, in this chair and figure out how to use all aspects of language um, throughout their whole customer experience. So I feel that um, the innovation of the tech writer being um, not like a role, but more like a uh, capacity that can be applied, you know, depending on the organization that can go everywhere and can lift everything. Uh, and it can also mean that uh, you go in and you solve the horrible, gnarly content problems that are going on in the organization, right? Where they have duplicated content across teams and no one can figure out what they're doing. So that has nothing to do with the end user documentation, but that can have everything to do with, you know, the health of your company and how, how quickly, you know, what their cadence is for being able to do their work. So that um, by backing up and seeing us as being um, the knowledge people and the, um, it, just the fluidity of it has been mm -hmm. tremendously exciting to me as I've gotten, you know, as the decades have gone by. Great, great. Super, uh, Mary. So I think with that, we've come to the end of the general general questions, but I do have a couple more questions in the rapid fire round. Anything else I would uh, you would like to um, mention before we move to this rapid fire round? Oh boy. Um, one thing that uh, just if people aren't aware of that out, is out there that I think is tremendously important and exciting is we're now reaching the point where um, uh, artificial, uh, voice and other kinds of automation are going to make it possible for us to write a video script or write documentation and have it automatically turn into reproducible video that can be generated on demand in multiple languages. And I think this is going to change everything. Um, and where it's super important for tech writers is that it's exactly how well you write your documentation that will have everything to do with how easily we can make that leap to essentially single sourcing like docs and training. Um, I think this is a huge and important area for this world that we're moving into. Good luck uh, with that, Mary. Uh, okay, my rapid fire questions now, who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career? Oh, the prize, the absolute prize goes to Tom Johnson. Um, and he is, I mean, the guy is brilliant, but he started out because I watched his entire career and he started out first being the sponge and interviewing everyone and everything, getting all the information. And then once he had all the information under his belt, then he started writing all the blogs that I wish I'd written. It's just like, oh my goodness. He answers everyone's questions. He solves everything. And also that he put out like API training when no, when no one else did free API training, um, which was huge is what we all needed. Um, so hats off to him. He's, he's a wonderful model. Thank you, uh, Tom. Can you also share a documentation related resource you have consumed recently? Yeah, kind of an interesting one I wasn't expecting was um, there is a conference called Config, and that is for Figma, which is a tool for um, designing user interfaces. 
And it turns out that they had a huge number of talks that had to do with uh, content design and with UX writing. And so this is kind of the next field that I'm moving into is how to figure out how to single source for the, for the product designers as they're putting together their interfaces and putting in all the text. How can I be in there um, sourcing and writing all the text that they use in the designs that engineering is using to build the products? how to get integrated into all that. So that's really huge. Uh, and then the next most recent thing was um, Write the Docs uh, publishes all of their um, community uh, at the conferences. They have all the presentations and they post them for free on YouTube. So I've been busy you know, in my spare time catching up with those, which are fabulous. Great, and great. The, uh -huh. And the Slack community. So if anyone doesn't know about the Write the Docs Slack community, that's mm -hmm. where y'all need to go. <laughs> <laughs> so do, are you an active participation uh, uh, um, a contributor in that community mary oh yeah yeah i i contribute to my there are so many different um different conversations going on uh but i'm also an organizer for my local write the dots group wow in fact, I, I need to set up a breakfast meetup for us i think we need to do that <laughs> <laughs> wonderful my last question to you today what is the one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Oh, my 20 year old self. Um, I would say I would love to reassure my 20 year old self that what I'm actually doing is being a user advocate is being a teacher and that I should never, ever, ever fret about not having the specific domain or engineering background because it turns out to be my superpower. So the fact that I don't have the background in it means that I have very high user empathy and awareness, and it makes me be able to write much better docs. So not to be insecure about that, just go for it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So Mary, um, it was wonderful talking to you today and uh, sharing, uh, and thank you once again for sharing some of your experiences and um, and good luck with all the community activities you're currently doing and planning to do in future. Anything else I missed to ask you today? No, I think we're good. Thank you. Fantastic. So I know it's early morning for you, but um, all the best for your project and uh, uh, any new initiatives you're planning to take internally. Ooh, the big one is I'm migrating content into WordPress because that's where our new uh, learning management system went. So I want a single source content with the, uh, the self-paced training. So that has been very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's a, it's a big task on its own. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Super. So have a good day, Mary. Bye. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.